Welcome back to A Word Before We Leave. I am Brett Gaffney, the man with the plan and the host of A Word Before We Leave. Today's guest is a close friend of mine who we re- I'd say we rekindled our friendship quite recently uh, when I moved out to LA and he was one of those friends that was quick to the draw when it came to hanging out. And so I just want to welcome with warm arms, Cole Sage. Cole Sage and I Knew each other back in high school, and then he went off and did his own path, joining the military, and he's got a lot to say about philosophy, what gets him through the day, making music, and more. So stay tuned, and thank you for joining us on A Word Before We Leave. Are you enjoying A Word Before We Leave? Well, if so, you can now support the podcast. Spotify listeners, click the link in the bio of A Word Before We Leave, and you too will be able to maybe... Send us some money so we can get better microphones and continue to make the podcast better and better. Thank you for listening, and now the show. Ladies, gentlemen, theys, and thems, welcome back to A Word Before We Leave. I'm your host, Brett Gaffney, and uh, today we have a very special guest. Would you like to say hello to the people? Hello. This is Cole Sage. Cole Sage and I actually have known each other for quite a long time, despite us being in Los Angeles right now. Cole, do you want to give them a little background for how we knew each other? So it was high school. Did we meet freshman year? Yeah. It was freshman year. Okay, so is that eight years ago now? About eight to nine years ago. Jeez, okay, yeah. So I guess it was just high school. And I don't think, I mean, there wasn't anything like extraordinary about our friendship it was pretty basic. It was. I feel like it was mostly like just... Like hallway acquaintance. Yeah. And then like maybe parties here and there. Yeah. But I mean, I think everything kind of came full circle, which was cool. So, but yeah, I guess that's like a good history of us. So for the people who don't know who you are, how would you describe yourself in a paragraph? Okay. Um, so I am Cole Sage. Right now I am a 23-year-old wayward bound man in Los Angeles trying to find his way. Um, I feel like I've done, I've had a pretty cool life. I like to think nothing like, again, nothing extraordinary, but I mean, have somewhat of a story and an unorthodox, you know, way of how I found myself in Los Angeles. So I think I'm mostly just kind of like a, I'm still in action right now. And I think, I think that's exactly like what I wanted to talk to you about and like what the purpose of interviewing you for a word before we leave was that like, I know that all of the stuff that you've been through over the past, like four years alone has been enough to where you could share a lifetime of stories. Yeah. 100%. I think, uh, I think, you know, today's day and age, there's a lot of different ways people get to where they are. So I think everyone kind of has that. So for me, it might not feel extraordinary, but I also, I don't know a lot of people who have, you know, a similar way of finding, especially people out here, you know. It's a it's a different beast out in Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, 100%. So it's kind of cool to, I think, talk to anybody who's made it out here, but especially like once you find out kind of where they came from, and so, I mean, it's the whole thing, I guess, but. Well, to get us started, we're going to go with a classic segment to warm you up, and then we'll jump right into the questioning. So this segment is called A Word of the Day, 
And a word of the day is the original segment that we started the whole show on because this is a podcast not about people, but also about language. Language is important and we need to learn more words so that we can explain and enunciate ourselves better. So today's word of the day is anachronism. Anachronism is brought to you by Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, not sponsored. One day we will be. And anachronism means an error in which something in a movie, story, or book is placed in a time where it does not belong. Anachronism can refer to a person or a thing that seems to belong to the past and not fit in the present. They have an example, which is a number of the film's critics complained about the multiple anachronisms in the historical drama, or he's an old-fashioned politician who is seen by many of his colleagues as an anachronism. So now it's your turn to come up with an example sentence, and then I'll come up with one. Oh my gosh! Okay, I really like that the that one right there. I think that's a, that's actually a pretty good way you can send a shot at someone. Um, I don't even know how to. Wow, are the words usually this hard? This is <laughs> they are usually this hard. <laughs> All right, um, it's like a vocab test that you didn't want to study. For. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that the what makes art especially in film really art is the fact that there could be an anachronism very well done thank you and my example sentence will be i'm glad you had to think about this too okay no no, no. i mean i didn't i didn't look at the word <laughs> prior to this i was looking it up in the moments so and then i'm on the same page as you uh my favorite part about the movie ready player one directed by steven spielberg I think, uh, is the fact that you can have the Iron Giant, an anachronism in a world with other different characters from movies like King Kong or uh, a video game like Minecraft. Anachronism. Now I feel like I interpreted it wrong. No, I, I think I think you said it exactly. I think but what I meant was like, you know what? Okay. You know when like you're watching a movie and then... I feel like most of these, they've been, because a lot of, especially older films that this has happened in, they've come out with, like, remastered versions. But they have the, uh, I think you look like Catch a Cameraman in the background, and it's like, whoa, this is like a Western. They didn't have cameras like that back. That's how I thought of it. But now I see what you're saying, and, like, the plot, there's an accurate. I'm going to use that word. I Now I understand. And that's the purpose of a word of a day. Now it's time to move on to the bulk of the show. So, Cole Sage. What is one thing that you could talk about for hours on end? Oh. It could be any topic, anything that you're thinking about diving deep into lately or something you're passionate about. It could be a person. It could be something out of the blue. This is where we're going to steer the podcast. So I want to say, okay, so not as much. So philosophy but not in the fact where you know like going into types of philosophy like you know you have like stoicism or like not like not like that or talking about philosophers but i think it's interesting to talk about philosophy like certain people's like individual philosophies and how they live their life and their search for meaning like i, I could talk about that with anyone forever well, that's the point of the podcast. That's, that's exactly what we do. We dive into the daily philosophy of each person. So, Cole Sage, what gets you out of bed every morning? What gets me out of bed every morning? Um, my girlfriend, one. 
because I she wakes me up. So, um, but also on a more you know grander scale, I think uh, for me, I it's that search for meaning and that search for purpose, especially because I'm like still learning a lot. And I, you know, you always think you're kind of dialing it in or whatever, but you know, it's not that hard to kind of like, if you look at things on a grand scale, at least for me, it's like, okay, I have so much more to learn about myself and the universe and life. And then just like even certain subjects, like there's so much more to learn. And I think that's enough to get me to get out of bed and moving and start experiencing, you know, the life that I want to learn about and live. At what age do you think you started kind of tapping into the the more existential questioning? Like a year ago, twenty two. Really? Yeah, I, it hit late for me. What I, was the what led into that? I think I, I was floating by for a really long time. Um, I joined the military at eighteen, and I did not enjoy. Like I didn't want. To, I mean, I if I really liked it, I would have stayed in. But I I think. Once I got to the point where it was going to be time for me to re-enlist or, you know, be like, all right, I'm getting out. I started to think, like, what is it I want to do with my life? Like, because I don't I'm not happy doing what I'm doing. And I think it's time for me to move forward. I think that's kind of when it hit where I was like, OK, I need to start finding, you know, my purpose so I can, you know, I have a goal that I'm working towards because I don't want to float by. I floated by for so long in high school and the military at first I floated by. And I think the military was the first thing that got me to really want to exceed at something because I was, I never thought I could really be the best at anything until I joined the military. And, you know, my job, I worked on missile systems and I got very proficient at it. And it was a lot of problem solving, which I really, you know, learned to love to enjoy, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. But, you know, knowing I could potentially be the best at something, I think, um, really pushed me forward. And then when I, again, when I got down to that point where I was like, do I want to keep, you know, doing this or do I want to go a different route? That's when I was like, okay, I need to start searching. So what led you to the decision to join the military instead of go to college or to just move somewhere else after high school? I think I, and I mean, this is an issue that like, I think I still deal with a little bit, but like, I really care about how people perceive me. And I wanted to do something that no one else was doing, you know, out of high school. And I, you know, not a lot of people specifically like an hour grade. I wasn't friends with a lot of people in our grade. It was the grade below. But I just kind of wanted to do something that I could show people like, you know, I could succeed without you guys. And they're like, I, I'm going to go live a, you know, grander life than you guys are going to college and stuff like that. I think a lot of it was ego driven. And not even as much because I wanted to do it, but I, you know, there was also a part of me like, okay, this will help me figure my stuff out and hopefully help me find that drive. Cause I mean, I was aware I didn't have that drive and I did not want to go to college and get a degree in something that I didn't care about and then be stuck doing that for the next, you know, 40 years. So I think I is also to buy myself more time to figure out what it is I wanted to do. And, you know, by doing that, I also got, you know, I made money in the military and I got some great experiences as well. So it's all worth it. But so you spent four years in the military and that has led to now, which is Los Angeles. Yes. Do you want to talk about maybe some of the more harder moments in the military that made you realize it wasn't going to be your entire life? Um, The con, I mean, just it's draining working, you know, it's, it's a nine to five plus some, you know, you get up at five 30 every morning, you go work out from six to 7am 
or like 6.30 to 7.30 and then you got an hour and some change to get ready and then you're working nine to five and you get off work, you're exhausted. So, you know, being 18 years old, seeing all my friends in school and partying still and like I had partied, you know, I was I lived in Germany for two years, but I could party on the weekends, you know, those weekdays I was working and I think I, I felt like I was growing up too fast in the wrong way. It's like, yes, I matured a lot, but I also, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was in my, the years that I'm still in right now where it's like, I wanted to be making experiences and, you know, meeting new people and making new friends and just, you know, living my life. And I didn't have that as much as I wanted. So I think that was probably one of the hardest. And then just being away from home for long periods of time, which I've gotten better at as I've gotten older, you know, if I really wanted to stay home, I would have stayed home when I got out of the army, but I'm, you know, I was living at home for three weeks and then moved straight to Los Angeles when I got out. But at first that was really hard not having my family with me. And then being in Germany where I'm now seven hours ahead. So you got time zones, you got to figure out and all that was pretty difficult, but you know, nothing too big for me to, that can overcome. So is there any advice that you could offer to somebody that might be in a similar situation about living far from home for an extended period of time? Yeah. Um, distance makes the heart grow fonder. It really helps you appreciate, you know, those people in your life. And it also helps you choose, like, like realize who do you truly care about and want to keep in touch with in your life? And then who are these people that, you know, maybe you, they don't mean as much to you or vice versa. You don't mean as much to them because it's a two, like communication is a two way street. So it's like, you know, you realize who your real friends are one, because how much you want to communicate with them and how much they reach out to you. But I think family, you know, it, it's it's a little bit harder because there's an expectation for you guys to reach out to each other. And then like you want to go home and stuff. But it's there's also like a liberating feeling to just being on your own. Being like, all right, like I'm doing life on my own without my parents. Like I, I thought that it felt good for me. I felt like I was doing, you know, I was being an adult, you know, and it felt kind of cool. Yeah. I'd say. So I think it's a fun experience as well. And. I, I want to preface to the listener right now. We are in Cole Sage's living room, so there might be a little bit of an echo. There might be some reverb, but now we're going to do a little kind of description of what Cole's life kind of looks like in his his little space. Yeah. So this is his brand new apartment. Yeah. Uh, Cole's sitting on a velvety green couch, 70s inspired. He has a Scott Medlock, Bruce McGow graphics golf poster framed and hung up behind him i actually hung that up for <laughs> yeah, him like two did. weeks ago uh i got a lamp next to me i'm sitting in a bedazzled tans kind of canvas chair i have a pillow and in front of us we have a can of sprite two red bulls and the audio equipment yeah and now i'm gonna segue into the next segment are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. So uh, this is called, this is more of like, I feel like the best way to describe this is like hot seat, but I'm calling it one word. So I'm going to ask you a question, rapid fire, and you can only answer with one word. Okay. Ooh, okay. Favorite food? Wings. Favorite song right now? It can only be one word? One word. Oh, I mean, if it's like a title. You the, can, I can say the title? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Once I Was by Tim Buckley. Actually, no, 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 no. Wait, I got a, it's a new one, actually. I just have gotten, it's So Real by Jeff Buckley. It's Tim Buckley's son. But 
Yeah, yeah. I have a few Buckley Buckley fans that listen to the podcast. Oh, okay. Shout out to Will Hayes if you're listening. That dude introduced me to Tim and Jeff Buckley, and it's blown my Songs of Siren, blown my mind. Changed my uh, It's literally changed so my life. Good. So good. Okay, next question. Chocolate or cinnamon? Or vanilla? Chocolate. Easy choice. If you could live anywhere in the universe with no worry about physics or money or food or anything where would you live inside of a black hole <laughs> there's not one word maybe we're already in one he pointed at me by the way there is no audible <laughs> i can't i can't only say one yeah he can't I'm say really more, bad but he, game, <laughs> he was like that's what's up what is the best topic to make a song about <sighs> And last but not least, what is the earliest movie you ever watched? The Goonies. I've never seen The Goonies. You're in, you're kidding. Everyone, everybody. That's says insane. That. I know. I know. It's so good. Dude. I actually had a group of buddies in college, um, and we had like all sat together. And another one of my buddies was like, "Hey, I've never seen The Goonies." I was also like, yeah, me too. I haven't seen it either. And everyone's like, you're crazy. Like, we're going to make a night and we're going to watch it. And I was like, great, let's do it. So we planned for a Saturday night and then I got caught up studying in the library. I come back. They're all in a room and I walk in and they're like, oh no. And I'm like, what's going on, guys? And they're like, leave the room, leave the room. And I'm like, why? They're like, we're watching the Goonies without you. And I'm like, what the That hell? is so messed up. And at the end of it, they were like, oh, you're the one that hadn't seen Goonies, and this is why we were going to watch it. But they watched it without me. I, You know what? I think it's a move that everyone needs to see. My girlfriend hadn't seen it either before we met, and that was one of the first ones I made her watch with me because it's so good. So good. Yeah, I've just never seen it. We'll change that. I'll change that. Bet. Okay, back into the questioning. Tell me about the transition to Los Angeles um, in the closest, best of details that you can and what it was like. Uh, so at first, when I first moved out here, it wasn't terribly hard. Like I got on my feet pretty quick and everything was going good. But what I did notice, and I think this is just general, just like life stress that I never had to deal with because of the military, like the military... I had housing, I had food paid for, like everything, you know, they took care of us in there. They, there was, I was never worried about like, I'm not going to make rent or anything like that. So like, I think that what diff, I had two, two types of stress that I kind of like that differ between the military and then what I think what I would call this is real life is military is more of like that day to day stress. Like, man, I got to wake up early tomorrow and it's going to be a long day, exhausting, which you still get in the real world too. But out here it's like, all right, you know, um, Am I going to have enough money to survive in six months? And, you know, am I going to have a place to live? Am I going to, you know, like all of that stuff. It's been a lot more of like that, you know, long strung out stress that is can be overbearing because it just builds up until things, you know, come to fruition or you snap, I guess. And I think that's kind of what makes or breaks like a lot of people that move out here is being able to, you know, endure all of that. So I think that's definitely been like the hardest is just that stress. But again, like I, I love those moments of adversity 
because that's when I really get to see who I am and what I'm about. And, you know, I, it, it's fun to be tested by life itself to see like how you react in those situations and how you handle them. And, you know, if you don't do it the, you know, the right way or whatever, you, you still grow, you still grow and you live and you learn. And so everything that's been hard about moving out here has also been just things that I'm glad I'm learning and living now because I think they're going to help me in the future. What is one thing from the military that you still use in your daily life today? It, there's little weird things that I do. Um, when I'm like walking next to people, I'll, I'll walk and step with them because like marching. And then um, this is something that I've noticed too. So I never, I, I became a specialist. I was never a sergeant. So usually the people I was walking next to were higher rank and in the military, you have to walk to their left and like about like a pace behind them. So whenever I'm walking with people, sometimes I'll be like, I'll purposely set myself there. And it's not because I feel I'm inferior or anything. It's just, I'm so used to that. Cause I never You've built a habit of yeah, walking a pace behind. I never had someone walking to my left. Yeah. I never really outranked anyone like that, but I, I still do that sometimes. But, um, I think too, I'm a lot more organized of a person. Like there's a, there's a lot of stuff like that. Like I just, I think I'm a lot more um, organized and disciplined than I was like on a grander scale, but those are little like small habits I've picked up. But in general, like I try to keep my place a lot more clean than I did when I was in high school and make my bed every morning. I have a girlfriend who helps me with that too. So if I don't feel like doing it, she's got it for me, which is nice. Shout out to Ryan. Shout out to Ryan. So, I know that you're doing something special out here, but the people might not. Do you want to talk about your music passion at all? Yeah, I would love to. It's another thing I could talk about forever, music. But uh, where, do you, where do you want to start, I guess? Tell me what got you into music and what got you into the philosophy of making music specifically. Okay, so this is, this is a funny one. And I tell people this a lot. And they're not surprised based on like my skill level, but they're surprised that I'm trying to pursue it this early on. So I have always been someone who has loved music, but I've never, I never played an instrument growing up ever. Like I was never in band or anything like that. I was in choir solely because I got a free trip to worlds of fun at the end of the year. Goated is the only reason, you know, um, but I've always loved music, especially in like my teen years when I started to kind of like life started to hit me and I started to deal with like a lot. Um, so I got really in it for me. It was so comforting. You know, I think one of the first bands that I really, really like resonated with and I was like 13 at the time. So this is not some obscure band. I don't know. I don't want people to like listen to my music taste and try and judge me or something because I do that sometimes with people. I think everybody will judge someone based on music yeah. taste. But I think here uh, on the podcast, at least my goal with it is to emphasize that there's someone else out there that, pardon my French, fucks with what you're saying yeah. and fucks with what you're listening to. But uh, it, was, it was Smashing Pumpkins, his Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, that album specifically when I was like 13 or 14. And I don't know, I was just going through it for whatever reason and teenage angst yeah and just listening to that and then going on youtube and listening to billy corgan interviews and seeing like this is a man who you know 20 years ago was feeling the exact same way that i feel right now i think that's super and so 
but I never thought of me being like that, like myself being that outlet for other people because I didn't make music. And then I was in Germany and COVID, this is actually before COVID hit. It was the November before, so 2019, I believe. Um, yeah, it was November of 2019. I had a buddy who had an acoustic guitar that I didn't want because he didn't play. And I was like, I'll take it. And I just started and like started strumming along, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, this is kind of fun. And um, I ended up like just starting to just mess around on guitar, learn all the easy songs as most people do. Smoke on the water. Yeah, all that. Smoke on the water, Wonderwall, blah, blah, blah. And then um, like that December before Christmas, I went and got myself like, an early Christmas gift and I bought a guitar. And then fast forward like, f- you know, three months, COVID, you know, the pandemic begins and we were kind of locked down for... I mean, about like six months, I really was, I was working one day a week because they only wanted minimal people at work. So I was stuck in my barracks room by myself. Just what do I do? And I had just, you know, kind of had this newfound passion for music. So I, but that was when I, and I feel I didn't progress super fast. I'm still not a great guitarist or a great musician by any means. There's so much that, you know, I still want to learn. I think I'm surrounded by a lot of great musicians, but myself, you know, I feel pretty intermediate still. But at this time, you know, I was pretty comfortable and I was like, OK, I want to start learning music theory because I want to start writing. Like, I, I think I want to start writing because I want to be that outlet for people that like really helped me, you know, and shaped, you know, who I was yeah. by resonating with them in my you know formative, more formative years. Yeah. I'm still in my formative years. Aren't we all? Yeah. So I think... Um, it was really during, so about three and a half years ago, I guess three years ago is when I started learning music theory and writing music before I had left Germany in 2021. So about a year and some change, I had already had like the lead and rhythm guitar written for an entire song. And I had some buddies that could play drums and bass and vocals. And we had had a song out a year and a half, less than a year and a half after I started my musical journey, which was pretty cool, but it never went anywhere. I don't even know who has the track anymore, which kind of sucks, but. But it was, it's about doing it that matters more than putting it out there. Oh yeah. It's starting. You have a starting point to reference back for everything else that you make from now on. You can always look back at that song, whatever it is, wherever it is, even if you can't hear it, be like, I did that. Yeah. I think it was a big, like, I think it, for me, hearing you know, a song that I wrote, like, I was like, whoa, okay. Like I'm capable of doing what I never thought. And like, even now, like I'll go and jam with people and we'll just be kind of like improvising and we make a full song and not even meaning to, we're just kind of messing around and it's like, okay, you know, I, I never thought this was like something that I would do. Like, it's all very new to me. So I think that's, you know, I, it's intimidating, but I, I like the challenge. I, I like the fact that I haven't been doing this my whole life and I'm surrounded by people who have out here. Like that just makes me want to get it so much more. Not because I think they're not deserving. I think they're, if not, like they're more deserving than I am. But I want to put in that work and, you know, prove that I can do it too. Even though I've only been doing this for a slim amount of time compared to them. Comparison's the devil. Yeah, 100%. I, oh my gosh. Like, like literally... Your task is to find what you like to do and then do that. And you don't have to worry about anybody else, what, how they're doing it, even if it's the same thing, because no one's going to make 
the music that Cole Sage can make, except yeah. for Cole Sage. So you just got to be the best Cole Sage you can be, which is meta as a concept, but you understand that. And so you know what you're doing when you're making music. Your music is very much your own music. Yeah. And when you come together and collaborate with other people that may have more experience, you guys can form an idea, which can become a song, an album, an EP. It can become something so much bigger than yourselves. And I think like as artists, our job is to find that that piece of work that we're doing that almost removes our individuality because we can put so much towards it. We can yeah. put so much towards it that it becomes larger than our own egos, larger than ourselves. And then it's like we all come together with a common cause. I think, you know, my favorite part, and this is something that when I lived in Germany, I was in the barracks. There was not a lot of other musicians. Most people that were played guitar, because like army, everyone played, you know, they played an instrument, they played acoustic guitar or whatever. So, and then really until I moved out here, I got to experience this a little bit back in Kansas City playing with people, but moving out here and being surrounded by other musicians and not just people who may like like to play guitar or bass or like people who are like they're musicians they're legitimately making music yeah as a profession that's what they do and being able to play with them is one of the most like oh it's so uplifting it feels so good every single time like because one like in if we're writing you know it's so fun to kind of collaborate with people and just share your ideas and you know, for me being someone who I feel like I don't have as much to offer, but like, you know, I say like, well, you guys like this? And they're like, oh, they're like we should use that. It, it feels good. You know, it's a, a validation thing, which, you know, it's not why I'm doing it, but it's, 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 it's a perk. Yeah, it feels good. But it's so fun to create, you know, art with other people because it becomes, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just this thing that snowballs into something so much bigger than yourself. I think you kind of said it perfect. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, I think I think collaborate collaborative art, um, whether that's a film, uh, sculpture, painting, a play, a band, all of that coming together has, I mean, made some of the most profound and impactful pieces of culture that we as a society have looked at and consumed. So, like, if you think of some of the best albums, the best movies. It's not, it's usually not one person. Doing yeah. It. It's usually a bunch of people putting a lot of resources into it. And then all of a sudden you have Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the mm-hmm. Moon. You have, you have some of the great, you have Star Wars, you have Star Trek, you have culture, you know, you're, you're, you're making the culture and you're defining what it can look like, but you're doing it on your own terms. And that's, I think that's the most powerful thing and ability that people in the music industry have is you're making the sound of society you're making what we as a collective people will listen to on a daily basis casually you know and some people will be deeply deeply impacted by the music that you make and that's exciting yeah i mean that's that's my main motivator you know like i think it's a pretty good mix between one i love doing it you know this is the first thing that and i'm that I could really think about that I felt really, really passionate about and that I've been willing to, you know, put time in even when it's not fun. Like I, I want to work towards it still, even when it's not fun. And it's, you know, and, and this is not, it's, I'm not in school or it's not my job yet. So I don't have to do it, but I want to, even when I don't want to kind of thing. And then also just being able to connect with someone else, you know, and you know, as I was saying earlier with my like smashing pumpkins anecdote, like, 
knowing that like I want to be able to tell people like what they're what you're feeling is not abnormal like that and that was that meant so much to me when I was younger and it still means something like when I listen to music now and I'm like feeling a certain way that I don't you know exactly want to communicate with people around me and then hearing someone else sing exactly what I'm feeling it's like okay like pretty reassuring I can't hate that you know? have you ever like I've done this before I want to preface with this and it might make me an asshole in some aspects because it's like the most like artsy way to like express my feelings but it's like i don't know what to say so i'll send a person a song oh yeah and then leave it at that oh yeah and they'll be like they'll text back be like what does that mean <laughs> and i won't respond i uh gosh i uh my girlfriend in seventh grade we broke up and i sent her on Spotify, the link to I Miss You by Blink-182. It's one of, like, the most cheesy... I, I was in seventh grade, but, like, I know exactly what you're... And it's funny that I could I could have communicated that so easily. I just wanted to, you know... Oh, man. There was a girl in high school uh, that... I think she thought we had, like, a thing going on. This was senior... I don't want to say her name, because she knows, she, she knows exactly who she is. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know how to end it, so I sent her best friend by rex orange county and the gist of that song is like hey you're really great to hang out with um and you see me romantically but i really just see you as a friend like it was like the ultimate friend zone i just texted that song and it went right over her head she was like what a beautiful song and i was i was like but did you listen to it listen to the words (laughs) check out the lyrics lyrics are crazy the lyrics yeah no i've uh i mean i used to there's like times where I'd have like a woman in my car and I'd like put on, you know, a playlist or a certain song and be like, yeah, man, listen to these lyrics. Like, these are crazy. Like, what do you think about these lyrics? And, you know, trying to send like set the mood. Yeah. Subtle hints. Yeah. But it never worked. Sometimes they don't like they'll hear the words and they're gonna be like, yeah, that was on accident. They didn't mean to. Or they'll hear their words and they'll start thinking about the person they actually like and how they and wish like, that person was playing the song for them and not like, me. Why am I in the car with Cole yeah. Sage and Brett Gaffney right now during a <laughs> podcast? They're like literally talking about how they make art while they're doing a podcast. Yeah. And I'm just sitting here in the car being like, uh, can I play a song? <laughs> exactly. Okay. So are you ready for the next segment? Yeah. Great. This next segment doesn't involve us at all. I'm going to ask the listeners. You guys are going to call in for word in. All right. Tell me, guys. Tell me your favorite song and why. Call in now and we'll listen to what you have to say. What's up, Brett? Uh, My favorite song is Bang Bang by Bryce Vine off uh, Night Circus. And the reason why is I hear, like, the opening of it, and it just makes me go back to, like, the summers or, like, high school. It makes me feel like I'm getting in my 104-degree car after leaving the pool. And that's a good one. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Bye. Uh, My favorite song is Hush by the Magic City Hippies because it is both slow but also rockin'. It's got a banging beat to it, and yeah, it fits like a very chill mood, and also like you know, a chill kind of mood. Hey, so my favorite song is gonna be "Sympathy for the Devil," uh, either the original by the Rolling Stones or the Neptune's remix, which is just a remix of the original by the Rolling Stones. And the reason why being, 
Um, I mean, I think it, it helps me not lose my mind at times by, yeah, having some sympathy for if I'm just being like very destructive or monstrous and everything. And, uh, it makes me feel amped up. I love the bongos. I think that the tar solos are sick. So the history behind it. Oh, the list can go on. If you want to know more, I don't know. Have you on the podcast. Okay. Bye. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Brett Gaffney. This is a word before we leave. We are now moving into the final questions. Cole, how are you feeling? Feeling good. Outstanding. I, we don't know what the people said because I'm going to do that in post. Yeah. But I'm going to guess it. Some of it was goofy and some of it was like somewhat poetically profound. <laughs> Mostly goofy. It's usually goofy. Every time I have someone call in, people are like, uh, uh, my, my favorite song is, uh, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, for whom the bell tolls by Metallica <laughs> because I really like that guitar riff at the start with the clock tower going dong. And then they leave that at that. That's and I'm like, I'm like, I can't use that in the podcast. So, Cole, are you ready to go deep, as deep as we can? Let's do it. Let's go mad deep right now. Where do you see yourself in 10 years, be honest? 10 years. 10-year timeline. (sighs) Ultimate goal, no boundaries. Shit's going to happen. It always happens. But you beat through all of it. What is 33-year-old Cole Sage doing right now? I see 33-year-old Cole Sage working in... It's kind of hard. You know, I'm going to dream big here. I see 33-year-old Cole Sage working in the music industry as a musician, and I see myself living in the Hollywood Hills. Um, I don't see any, like, but nothing crazy. Not some giant mansion, just a humble abode. Still driving my Nissan Sentra, but... But you could afford more if you wanted to. Yeah, but I, you know, I see myself living closer to the music that I am right now, but still far enough out of it to where I have like my peace and serenity. And yeah, there's, I see myself married to Ryan too. I also see myself having kids, but I don't think I'm going to have kids at 33. I want to, but if, if music works out for me, I want to wait a little bit. Cause I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll be touring. I don't want to have children while I'm touring. I want to be there and being a good papa. So Europe tour. Yeah, I'd be so I miss Europe. I would kill to go back right now. What's one thing you wish you knew growing up that came to you a lot later than it should have? Um one day, like I wish I would have known that how I treat people is like I am going to start to like I guess be more attentive to that, not as much how I and actively treating people how I have treated people. Like I wish I would have known that one day I'm going to end up reflecting and looking back on who I am as a person and how I've treated others and not liking that. I wish I would have known that I was going to become introspective and kind of look back on how I was towards others because then I would have just never, you know, done a lot of the things I've done or said a lot of the things I said to a lot of people, I think. But again, you live and you learn. So very true. How do you face guilt? Uh, that's a hard one. It's a hard one, but it's not. Um, 
You know, I think for me, like I, you know, I'm religious. So, you know, I think it's, you know, in prayer, asking for forgiveness, but also trying to find that forgiveness in myself. And, and that, that's the hardest part for me is forgiving myself. So I think one of, you know, the biggest thing I do is I, I'm honest. I'm honest with the people or people that are around me, especially the, if I'm guilty about how I treated someone or something, like I'm honest towards them. I give them the truth and I'm honest to myself too. Like, you know, I think in the past I wanted to feel guilty about things I've needed to, and I've repressed them. And I've been like, no, I'm just, you know, I'll be fine. So I think now I kind of let myself feel that guilt and I let myself really like hurt from it because one, I've probably, if I'm feeling guilty about something, I've probably caused more pain in someone else. So I make sure I feel that pain because I'm not going to grow unless I feel that pain. And I think I just through honesty, trying to forgive myself and then proving that I'm a better person every day afterwards through my words and actions, specifically through my actions, just continuing to grow as a person and, you know, hopefully do things that I'm not going to feel guilty about, you know, kind of. What would you say to somebody that is in a rut, somebody that might feel stuck? What would you say to them to get them out of it or to inspire them to find their own inspiration out of it? First, I'll tell them to read a book. The book is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Then this is going to be kind of, uh, you know, not paraphrasing the book, but a lot of this ideology is Viktor Frankl's ideology. But, you know, he he was big on one, you you find the meaning through life and purpose through suffering, but you also find it by going out and experiencing the world and meeting people. And I think all three of those things. So you're in a rut, you're doing the suffering thing right now. And you might not know it because I think a lot of, especially like when I'm very emotional, you know, and I'm like feeling like shit or whatever. And I'm like, why am I feeling like that? Like, I know why I'm just choosing not to see it. Cause I'm, I, sometimes you just get, you, it's comfortable. You get comfortable being unhappy which sucks it's it's hard it's almost harder to be happy you think it is until you are happy because you get so stuck in it so I think a big thing for me is you know recognizing why I'm unhappy and again facing those things like letting myself feel those emotions but not letting you know you can't let yourself get too far deep you need to feel sad like if you have a reason to feel sad feel those feelings but then overcome them like start pushing forward and I think you know if it's in regards to like having a rut get out there, like do what you want to do. That's not going to, if it's not going to negatively like affect the people around you, but do what you want to do and go meet people and go experience life. There's so much the world has to offer, you know, you, no matter where you are, I mean, most places there's at least one other person there you can talk to. And the second you start talking to someone else about anything, especially if it comes to life and learning their philosophy, your own philosophy is going to improve right away. So I think it's just, you know, for me, talking to people, like talk to people and get out there. I, I heard a quote from the YouTube channel, Better Ideas. Um, and he says that your daily habits and your routine, especially if that consists of staying inside in your home, that daily habit will not create new thoughts. So your thoughts will follow a very simple routine each day, similar to how you're used to brushing your teeth, getting dressed, taking a shower, going to the bathroom, making breakfast, etc. Your thought will go through the same process if you're not seeing anything new. And the best way to see something new is not 
to travel to a super far place, but to just go on a walk, like a simple walk, especially walking in a direction that doesn't have an end point, maybe, maybe somewhere you haven't been in your own neighborhood, maybe on a trail that's nearby, or even taking a bike ride, seeing new things creates new thoughts. New thoughts creates inspiration. Inspiration creates action. I love that. Once I you mean, create action, all of a sudden you feel different and that different can be good or bad depending on how you perceive it. Yeah. I mean, I really like the, like, you don't have to travel because a lot of people are like, you know, I'm going to travel and learn about the world, which is great. Do those things like hundred percent. But if you're in, if you're in a rut and you're looking to get out of it and you think you need to go spend a thousands of dollars and go to a new, no, like, again, like I said, just, you know, you go like go outside. But, you know, I think a lot of it too is like meeting people. Like you go outside, you experience those things around you. I think you're really quite cool. never even thought of it like that. It's pretty insane. But like for me, you know, the meeting people thing's huge. Like, and there's people well, that's, everywhere. That's access into someone else's entire philosophy. And yeah. And that will impact you. Yeah. Because that's the same thing as seeing a new thing. Yeah. But you're actually seeing a new person and a new idea and the character of who they are. It's deep. Yeah, I really like that. No, that's awesome. All right. Are you ready for the final question? Final question. I'm going to phrase it the way I always phrase it, but uh, I just want to preface this question um, applies to your mortality and the fact that you will die one day. So will I. Everyone else listening to this will die. I don't don't talk about death specifically on the podcast, and I, I want to address it more often. Not as a fear thing, but as a reminder that our time here is finite. Mm -hmm. Would you care to share a word before we leave? Yeah. Any, what should I, I don't even. It doesn't have to be a word. It can just be like a sentence. Just like, what do you want to say to the world before you die? Before I die, um... I guess kind of going on about, you know, the, the mortality thing, like you're, you know, our time here is short and, you know, I think the best thing you can do while you're here is to try to positively impact those around you, not worry so much. You know, I think there's a lot of this existential anxiety a lot of people have. And the vacuum. Yeah, and it's terrifying. The existential vacuum is a very real thing and it makes you anxious. But, you know, I think if you're living your life to be happy and you are by, you know, and in doing that, you're not hurting those around you. Ideally, you're bringing them up with you. You know, I think that is a beautiful thing. And I think you should appreciate all things in life. You know, it's very easy to kind of, see you know life happen around you and not you know just sit back and look around because you're upset or you're depressed or you're mad at the world but just take a moment to kind of breathe and look around and look at all the art around you and just how beautiful the world is and the universe you know and just and just take it all in sometimes you just got to sit back take it all in let go for a little bit and then go back to grinding in whatever way that might be for you I believe it was a Khalil Gibran that said life is uh, small moments of increasingly extraordinary beauty and then mundane suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's huge. I think, you know, it's there's a lot of bad things that happen and, you know, life overall, it can be seen as a tragedy. But I think it's also how you how you live it and how you perceive your life. You know, Um, you could have 
a lot of bad things happen to you. But, you know, if you sit down and like you have one great thing and then I think it's also those great moments when you had these great things happen is when we actually kind of sit down and look around at things around us. But okay, maybe it's not so bad here, but it's a lot harder to do while suffering. So I think you kind of look over those things while suffering as well. I think if you can train yourself to kind of sit down and appreciate life, even when life is hard and it sucks, you'll realize it's not as bad. You know, it's not so bad. Well, guys, you heard it here first. Cole Sage, a word before we leave. I'm going to go into some closing thank yous and thoughts, and then that will be that. But first of all, I'm going to start my thank you with you. Thank you, Cole, for being with us and for sharing your philosophy and who you are with the people. A word before we leave is special to the select few that listen to it. And I know that because I get an outpour each time and questioning for people to be like, who's the next guest? What's the next episode? So thank you for being a part of this project, being a part of this podcast experiment that has led me to some of the most beautiful conversations I've been a part of. So thank you for the impact that you have had, not only on the podcast, the audience, but also on myself. Thank you for having me. I mean, this is, you know... I I want to th- like thank you as well because again what I was talking about earlier I want to be able to talk to people and reach out to people through music and this is just another way I can do that another outlet that I can reach others so you've you've give you've given me a lot yeah. just by letting me like sit here and talk with you and, you know I'm telling you man like this is why I do it I, I do it to that. capture a little conversation mm-hmm. um, and now some more generic thank yous but they're as meaningful to me as ever. Thank you to mom, dad, Matthew, Ashley. Happy birthday, Ashley. I know your birthday was just recently, and I hope you listened to this episode. Uh, thank you to Jacob Harding, Sam Harding, Ishan Parikh, Parker Ryle, Morgan McCoy, Miley Garcia, and Emily Shakai and Lizzie Bromley. I always like to thank everybody I've interviewed because they're a part of the process. I would also like to thank my roommates, Phil, Claire, and Connor for putting up with everything that I am. I also want to thank Ryan for being Cole's girlfriend because you're the bomb. Thanks, Ryan. Other than that, maybe you too can talk to a loved one and see how they're doing. Simply ask them, hey, how have you been lately? That's my challenge for you. Other than that, this has been a word before we leave. My name is Brett Gaffney. It's weird now. I feel like there's pressure on me. I wasn't ready to speak right now. Is it it unlocked? Uh, All right. uh, Bye.